0: Ross's kitchen drinking Aeropress coffee which I've never done before. Have you had, have you had any yet? I, I have and it's, it's good it's very good we we fully this podcast brought to you by Aeropress coffee. Aeropress coffee and coffee from Market Fresh. And we and we uh, apologize in advance for the fact that we're going to be slurping coffee but I don't apologize because this is free so the second you start paying for it then I'll up the production value.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by...
0: Is that your NPR uh, voice?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is now. It is. I like it. Oh, respond. Is that me. Ira Glass? Ira Glass? This American Life? Well, I could do... Uh, I could do. There might be some impressions thrown in there. We're good with radio. that. I'm okay. fine with that. Uh, Garrison Keillor. Garrison <laughs> Ke- Coffee was pressed oh. <laughs> firmly through the
0: press. Is this the news from... Uh, oh, what is it?
1: It's, I can't uh, even remember now. I can't remember the name of the city. I don't city.
0: either. Yeah. And people, at home, are, people it. at home are listening. The home, at, and, the home, Prairie Home Companion. Prairie Home Companion. Prairie home companion. Yeah. I I went on a streak, true story, I went on a streak of because I had never listened to those and I find his voice very soothing. That's great. I went on a streak where I would uh, listen to them when I was like getting anxious about something and I would just sit and listen calm to him man. talk and it would just calm me down. But they're, they're total nonsense. And for a while, I'm going to be very honest, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize he was making them up. <laughs> <laughs> so initially, because the first one I listened to was pretty tame, yeah. and I was like, okay, that sounds like something that could happen. It was about a story guy, I think, just... getting stuck on his roof or something. And I was like, yeah, that, I could see that happening. And then I listened to another one, I'm like, wait a minute, this
1: story how, is ridiculous.
0: how would he know all this? And then it occurred to me that he was probably making them up. <laughs> and uh, then I started my own podcast, which is also mostly made up.
1: And everything I will say today is 100% made up. Too. Yeah,
0: all lies. You're just a character actor I've brought in. What you guys don't know is I've only interviewed the same person over and over again. It's just Perry doing voices. So, that was good. Um, All right. Well, first of all, tell us what you do, and then you can
1: tell us who you are. All right. Well, what I do is I... My title is Worship Arts Minister now at Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines. How many times has your title changed since you've been Uh, here? Several. Started out as the Worship Coordinator of Leadership and Creativity... Which to this day I still don't know what. That's a long job. That's got that's got some girth. Yeah, and I was like, "What does that mean?" And they were like, "We'll figure it out," because they hired the person, not the position. And so, uh, which I feel like I've done as well in hiring of people. I think you have. And then it went into worship. Was it worship director? Were you worship director? I think you were worship arts director, and now worship arts minister. Okay. so yeah, I'm full-time there at the church, overseeing weekend worship, and i uh, got some staff that help me f- fulfill all the worship needs in a church that size. There's a lot of different things that go on in the week. Mm-hmm. One person to do it would be crazy. It is crazy. Uh, and it's two four, people doing it. was also four crazy. Four people
0: doing it is still pretty still crazy. Pretty crazy. So, uh, yeah. to, for background, for those of you listening, Perry and I used to work together. Um, I think we decided it was from 2007 to 2010. Something like that. When I was the worship coordinator, coordinator. I think, there. And at that point, there were pretty much just two of us, which was pretty mm-hmm. crazy. And now there's, they've doubled. Well, no, if you count all the people at the satellites, it's more than doubled yeah, the staff. Yeah, because there were
1: no... There's one...
0: Ankeny was around. Yeah, Ankeny. And that was... Uh, Eric was doing that volunteer, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was even getting paid for no, that. So. No, so Perry, I've known Perry since that point, um, and we've been, I think, pretty good. We're pretty good friends. I think I would like to think there's, so. <laughs> there's a good chance we'll quote Ocean's Eleven or Jerry Seinfeld at some point in this podcast. Yeah, and we may just go on the tangent of it, reminiscing about the days of old. It, right? it happens. When you spend as much time in an office together with just each other as we have, I think it's uh, yeah. bound to happen, so... And so
1: I refresh my memory. You're from Iowa or no? I am from Des Moines. I'm from the east side of Des Moines. And my parents pastored a Pentecostal church on the east side. Right. Right. Uh, the denomination was Foursquare, mm-hmm. and whenever I tell the people, they're like, did you play a lot of games outside? Like, no. <laughs> not, different kind of Foursquare. No, no cherry bombs, though. No cherry bombs. But Foursquare uh, was a Pentecostal denomination, and my parents pastored that, and uh, I went to East High, graduated in 91. Is it the Rough Riders? Uh, no. That would have been Roosevelt. That's Roosevelt. I Shoot. was the Scarlets. The Scarlets, The East High Scarlets. I was trying to show off my knowledge
0: of Des Moines Public School system. system.
1: But, um... Yeah, I went to Bible College in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a four-square college, very small, about 100 students. So you pretty much know everyone's business when you're there. It yeah. Was, and it was pretty strict. I mean, there are they Only were, 100 students in total. In total. Oh, like, wow. My graduating class was like 57. Oh, that's very small. Um, and so... Uh, excuse me. That's another byproduct of coughing was that burp <laughs> I held in there for a second. But... Uh, <laughs> Graduated in 96, went to Ohio, straight to Ohio, and, and worked at a church there for nine years. I was the worship pastor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was engaged to the pastor's daughter, and we got married that year, uh, and was there for nine years, and eventually became youth director there because there was the, the guy that was doing the youth ministry, it was kind of getting to that age, you know, you get to a certain age, Unless, it's hard to be relevant unless you're somebody people. who's like known nationally as a youth guy yeah you get to that age and you just kind of lose your relevance and yeah. I was 23 24 25 and the kids were kind of attracted to me as a leader to begin with just naturally because I was so close to them in age and so they became the youth pastor and there was some there was some drama in that with yeah. his position and his family and thinking that I was coming in as the new worship guy he he also used to be the worship leader and taking his job and then the youth guy and now I'm taking his job and and I was the the son-in-law of the pastor and all this nepotism was thrown Mm. around although the definition of nepotism I think people misuse because nepotism is not just promoting a a family member to a position it's promoting a family member who is not qualified
0: and has no
1: experience so it would be like Tommy Boy or like you know, that episode of The Office where Michael hires his <laughs> nephew yeah. or something. So that's nepotism. But that's, a you know, it's not an axe I'm still trying to hatch. Not yeah. an axe I'm trying to bury. A hatchet I'm still I trying
0: try to, try to bury. to I'm burying the hatchet. Um, <laughs> if you hear jingling in the background, there's also a dog in here, a dog. by the way. We're
1: dog-sitting. We are avid dog-sitters. Macy is um, uh, also on the podcast. She's wearing a purple collar because the groomer uh, gave it to her in honor of Prince. Oh, nice. So, uh we should, we could dedicate this episode. We could dedicate this episode to Prince. Yeah. And the song, my favorite song, again, here we go, tangent. That's fine. My favorite song of Prince's is called The Cross. And it's one that I don't think a lot of people know. I don't know it. Because it's basically about salvation. Oh. And it is a song that for years I've wanted to do around uh, the Lent and, and Easter season. And the opportunity has not yet presented itself. has not itself. presented itself. But it is a beautiful song. Go find it now. If you're listening to this, hit pause. Hit pause. Go listen. We'll wait. We'll wait for you come to come back. To it. Yeah, we're just gonna. We're actually gonna stop talking for three and a half minutes. <laughs> if I was fancier, I would drop a <laughs> sample of it in. It's just faded but in. But I'm not. That day, you know what? night on hey, my, my
0: guitar. Let me talk to my copyright. editor, and I'll. Well, I'll, I'll, it, I'll sing a
1: version of it at the end for you. There you <laughs> go. I don't know if we have copyright problems with that. I don't know. We'll see. Um,
0: okay, so now to get to the. The bulk of what this podcast is about, which is,
1: who do you believe you are, Perry? Man, that the it's a couple, gigantically. I listened question. to the first episode, and the guy, uh, your friend from the Navy, mm-hmm. nailed it on the head where he said that's just a loaded question. I can't remember how he said it. Yeah, but you could go many different ways yep. with it. That's why we do um, it. That's why we do it. So, I've been kind of thinking about this. Sorry, the dog is sniffing me. Get away! The dog is go. I've uh, been thinking about this. Do you want to go out? Can we go outside? There we go. Bye, Macy. No. Go on. Go on. She doesn't want to. No. You can stay in here. We'll That's edit fine. that out. Uh, we'll edit all that out. out. Um, I kind of wanted to have an answer, but I, I still don't you really don't have it. I mean, I I could say a lot of like adjectives mm-hmm. that describe who I am. Uh, I don't want to steal the other guys and says you know, Father... Husband. I think it's natural for people yeah. to do that, though. But, yeah. but I think there were two words that kept coming to me, and one of them, and they both sound kind of cliche when it comes to church stuff, mm-hmm. but like one of them is loved. And I feel okay. like that is a broad, very broad term or a broad word because I feel like in my life I've been loved by the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, You always, always felt that? Well, I always felt it like in my family. Mm -hmm. Like my brother and I are super close. Um, I think there's been pockets of time that there has been... um, That things haven't been always perfect. Especially when I was in Ohio. I went through a divorce there. I was there for nine years. And I don't necessarily feel like I was loved then. Sure, yeah. Um, I was loved by my students. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know... If I was loved by my ex-wife, I don't. I think her family loved me. Yeah. Uh, I think some people in the church loved me, but I feel like it always comes back to that's where I could, that's where I could find the the peace that I needed was mm-hmm. to know through that I came back to my family and they thought because there's this is a whole other podcast and it's, it's, it's fine. in and of itself, but yeah. when I was in Ohio, I very rarely visited home mm-hmm. for nine years. I very rarely called. And a lot of it had to do with I was so trying to earn my wife's ex wife's approval yeah. because she was pretty critical she was she was controlling mm-hmm. and again i I take ownership on some of that. I should have been stronger as a person, but I wasn't but I feel like there was some tension that was was developing between my family and myself. My father had passed away mm-hmm. um, I wasn't here when he died uh you know, my whole family was here, they just kept wondering why is Perry not here? Why does he not care about us? Yeah. But then when I when I went through, when I left, I came home and I started to explain to them what was happening, then I felt like not justified in my actions, Mm -hmm. but I felt like they they could understand and then they loved me Mm -hmm. in the midst of that weirdness that was taking place. You think
0: so you just gotta
1: you think you got caught up in Mm -hmm. trying to earn yeah, and I was 23 when we got married. Yeah. And it was like, I didn't, I don't know if I really knew Probably what marriage not. was. What 23 year old does, really. And so there was a lot of red flags that looking back in hindsight. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was like, man, I should have, I should have, I should have seen them. I should have mm-hmm. read the, the writing on the wall yeah. at least three times. Yeah. But for me, I was just like, maybe that's what it's like. And maybe that's what, maybe this is what it is. Maybe that's what you have to work through and whatever. But, yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> and you're young and you're engaged and you're like, I don't know if I can do this, don't do it. Because- well, there's,
0: a, you know, there's a fine line between. I think like we've all probably been in those relationships where you're like, well, this isn't so great, um, but I, yeah, I you have to walk that line between. Don't be. Uh, unrealistic about your expectations because not everything will be easy. We all know that, but you also have to walk the line of no. It's, it's not supposed to be terrible. Though. My
1: my boyfriend and I we fight all the time. Well, that's probably that's probably bad. Sign. Yeah, but you shouldn't be together.
0: But you if can... you never ever fight, I think that's
1: equally really bad, don't that's you think? Bad. Yeah, I yeah. think So too, and and you know, so loved with my family, you know, loved with the friends that I've made since I've been back to Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? When I was in high school. There were friends, but I guess it goes to show you when I moved back to Des Moines in 2004, I didn't, I didn't talk to any of my friends in high school. Yeah. Because I didn't really, I, I was friends with a lot of different people, but not like two or three. I mean, I had some really closer friends, but we never stayed in contact. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt like I had, I didn't have that home base. It's like some people have been like, yeah, we've been friends since high school, we've yeah. known each other since grade school. I have acquaintances in those groups of people, but not like true friends. Mm-hmm. That's what gets back to, like, my brother. I mean, he and I, people ask me today, like, who's your best friend? And I'd just probably say my brother just because... Was he always growing up, too? Or is that I, something I that He always I was. Know. Like, I felt like we always got along. He was spot he's five years older than me, so I always felt like there was this, I wanted to be like him. Sure, yeah. So when I was in grade school and he was in junior high, there was just, like, I wanted to do the stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. When I was in... When I was in high school and he was in college, I listened, I wanted to listen to the same music he wanted to listen to. I tried, he is a philosophy major and I tried to read the same books. Oh, he just, is? I didn't know I that. I couldn't do it. He's a philosophy and communications okay. major. So he went to or Northwestern Orange That's
0: probably University. a good combination,
1: philosophy and communication. Yeah. He, he, he's doing like a little that. bit of both still, so <laughs> with his life, but... Um, you have other siblings i forget i have a sister who's in the middle okay and my sister and i we kind of had some rough patches uh just growing up i mean i think um there's no secret but she she got pregnant at an early age and i was just this is part of where like your upbringing kind of not pollutes your mind but kind of gives you your ideals and your colors it colors it, colors it. Yeah. so like growing up in a christian home and growing up Knowing, like, there's things that you just don't do. There's a, there was probably a big stigma attached to stigmas that. Stigmas mm-hmm. around. So, you know, I took that in and I kind of was... I wasn't nice to my sister yeah. for a little while. And I just feel bad about that. And But now that... I mean, her her three girls now... Her daughter that she had when I was in high school... She's married, has a kid, and oh, lives in no, Minneapolis. She's just amazing. Yeah, um, and she's got two other children who both have children as well. So, like my sister and I, when we moved back, when I moved back to Des Moines, we just really yeah. came together again and just kind of. It wasn't like we had to sit down and have a big talk. Yeah. But it was just like, this is my sister. Mm-hmm. This is my brother. You know. So I felt love. Like you're coming back into that love mm-hmm. thing. You know. Just feel like that. What do you?
0: What made you change? What made you change on that? Do you think or just.
1: I think I screwed up. Yeah. I mean, I was really young and I had the, you know, this is what a Christian, this is what a good Christian believes. And like even going to Bible college and I questioned a lot of stuff, even when I was a youth pastor, like I felt like I needed to, mm-hmm. I needed to walk a finer line of my faith because mm-hmm. I, you know, in college, Bible college is weird. It's weird yeah. because you have this overriding sense of everyone is trying to walk spiritually high. Yeah, and it's almost a competition in a way. Like you want to one up somebody. Oh man! Like you know, well, I'm I'm so devoted that I'm gonna get up at three. Five, oh my God you know. And it's unspoken. You're not saying that, but then I feel like. Well, but you're if, thinking it. Well, maybe I should get up. I know these guys are meeting in the empty dorm room down the hall to pray at five in the morning. I'm gonna go do that. I better go. So I get up, and i would go down there, and then like they come in three hours later. Like, dude, breakfast is being served because I'd fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, this can't. I can't do it. you yeah. know. And so I feel like there was a time I had, you know, I love, I'm a lover of music, too. I love all kinds of music, from mm-hmm. jazz to metal to country to rap to just everything. I just love it all. I, mm-hmm. and, you know, people say, what's your top five albums? I'm like, well, I could probably answer that, but it changes for me. Like, I'm telling you for the last time, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld, Ever, The Everglow by May is probably yeah. one of my favorites. That I,
0: album, I have to, that album... <laughs> Pause real quick. Is fantastic. There's no, I mean, there's no bad time to listen to that album. That album holds up so well. It's so great. I If you have listened to this and you've never listened to May, I don't know what you're doing with yourself, first of all. And second of all, listen to the Everglow and do it in order. Like, yeah. listen to it top don't to it bottom it in order. Don't, don't do it on shuffle. Because I think it's meant to be listened to in order. It has
1: to go through because the songs all kind of flow together. Yeah.
0: Fun's album, Some Nights, was the same way. Whose? Hmm? Fun, their album, Some Nights, oh, that had right. all the single... It... it, it not benefited from whatever the opposite of that was. It was hurt by the fact that it had so many singles on it. Yeah. Because if you would sit and listen to it all the way through, it was there was a progressive narrative through the whole thing. Oh, that's cool. Which made it a whole different. And I would tell people that all the time, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna buy We Are Young." And I'm like, "Well, it's probably the worst song in the album, but that's <laughs> fine."
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I I remember specifically in college it was this. I don't know if we had guest speaker or there was something that happened, and I was just like, it was one of those spiritual know what to call it just like in my mind it was like an awakening or a a come to Jesus moment a light bulb that came on that was just like I don't need to have any secular music Mm. so uh, looking back boy that's a big deal for you looking back I was like you were an idiot yeah I didn't even like sell them I took them to the dumpster oh my gosh big stack of and it wasn't like there wasn't stuff in there that was like I don't know I, I can remember it was like Harry Connick jr. You know, (laughs) um, I can't even remember what. So
0: you're not, it's not like you threw away old baseball cards and there was a bunch of like a Babe Ruth rookie card or something. Well,
1: and and on the flip side, it wasn't like there was stuff that was like making me like aggressive or question my faith Mm. or be like, you know, I wasn't like wearing goth t-shirts or I wasn't listening to like Misfits or, you know, Insane Clown Posse or something like that. It was just music that I just really loved. And I was like, i need to get rid of this, because I felt like it was some sort of act of it's spiritual sacrifice. Yeah, so, yeah. And so, I think that I just had some growing up to do, yeah. and I had to, I think part of it was just having to really think about, growing up in a Christian home, your faith has to be your own. It cannot be yeah. what your parents yeah you. because I feel like even now, there's some things that my mom and, and I would maybe disagree on theologically, mm-hmm. but... It's stuff that she's she's carried through her whole life, and I had to come to a point where I'd just be like God do I really quite do I really believe that yeah do I really believe and it wasn't like the foundational things it's more of those fringe things yeah um, but I hear you but I was just I think I felt like I needed to grow up did and you feel challenged in Bible college to do that um it depend I would say some professors did some were okay. just fact givers yeah. some were just like especially like courses like Greek yeah and um uh, Christianity through the centuries, was, Bible Greek, Greek is one of the hardest classes I've ever taken. Well, here's what I did in Greek. We had to each take a semester of Greek and a semester of Hebrew. We didn't have to take Hebrew. And so Greek was easier than Hebrew. Hebrew was really hard. And so some of my friends, again, this is where it was almost like, dude, am I going to try to go with the status quo? They were like, we're going to take Greek too. You know. Even though you didn't have to? Didn't have to. So I, I took Greek too. And I remember my friend Line and I were in the class together. And the teacher would just go, and he'd be like, all right, everybody got that? And everyone was like, "Yep." Yeah. And he and I would be like, what the hell is he talking What's he talking It's all great to me. I don't understand <laughs> It's it. all great to me. <laughs> but, uh, We've yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Brought that The
0: first it. 20 minutes of this were just you <laughs> setting up that joke. That's and the by heck? the way, totally worth it. Who am I? I'm paid, a comedian. Paid off. <laughs> totally paid but, uh, off. But we went into Dr. Furlong's
1: office, who is our academic dean, and we're just like, I feel like we're not getting it. And she's like, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you're going to use the stuff that you're learning in that class as a pastor? And I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, I think Greek one was good enough just to get an understanding. I can open up the lexicon or I can open up Strong's Concordance and work my way around it. Yeah. She goes, then don't do it. Then don't take it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Because I felt like in order to be a good student, a big, good Bible college pastoral student, I had to take. So I ended up taking like. Uh, you know, a, a youth ministry class. So, you know, I didn't want to be a youth yeah. minister it, at the time. But that proved way more helpful it for proved you. proved way more helpful because, you know what? I was a youth pastor yeah. for nine years, and so... That's
0: and, funny. So, because my experience has been, and it, I, I'm curious, I was just curious about this because there's a pretty big difference, I think, between Bible college and, like, private, like, liberal arts colleges. Like, I went to a Methodist college, but the religion classes were not what I would call Bible school classes. Right. There was a lot of, like, one of the very first experiences I had was basically being told that we didn't know anything about uh, about God. Like, they were going to help you figure it out, but forget all the stuff you thought you knew. Right. And uh, there's a lot of... I can't believe I'm going to mention Richard Rohr again. There's a lot of Richard, Richard Rohr. Rohr. I'm reading so much Richard Rohr. There's <laughs> a, there's, Richard Rohr will talk about in The Immortal Diamond. He talks about that there's a stage at which everything has to be... You have what you think you know... And then that gets torn down at some point. And then from that, you sort of build what ends up being yeah, the things you carry I feel forward like we
1: had a class like that. We had a Romans class. And our teacher, like the beginning of the semester, said, just like the first day, he was like, how do, you, how do you know you're saved? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you saved? What so a great question. We were like, well, the Bible says by grace through faith. And we all had this answer. Yeah. And it was so funny because he... Literally approached every one of those arguments and just dis- disproved him. Yeah. Not disproves them, but not disproved them. That's a hard, that was a hard dis- time to
0: Disproved? Say. Not disproved,
1: <laughs> but uh, made us seriously think about it. Yeah. And he did it, that exact thing. He broke it, he broke us down to the fact we're halfway through that semester. We're like, oh my gosh, am I even a Christian? Yeah, like, I had that experience too. Do I? And then at the end of the semester, the answer was, we're saved by grace through <laughs> faith. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what we said at the beginning, and like that was so. But you understood it so like, much differently. That's the Seinfeld. Yeah, we should have just stayed here. We would have won. <laughs> we would have won. You took the longest possible time. If you're not, you don't. You gotta go, with Jerry Seinfeld. We're album. gonna
0: recommend another album. Another, another album. This, and you
1: stop and go to the horse is, racing one I, now.
0: I tell. I'm telling you for the last time. This is the last dead album that Jerry uh, ever did. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But yeah, I, the classes there. There were some that were like that. There were others that. Um, we had one instructor. His name was Mr. Mazariegos. We always called him Mr. M. And he was, the, he was kind of the radical. What was his name? Mr. Mazariegos. What? Mazariegos. Is that Hispanic. What? Okay. <laughs> um, I couldn't pinpoint I think what. I from Mexico City. What, uh, what, what are you can say? His name was Mr. Mazariegos. There we go. There we go. Mazariegos. Thank but you. I like to say it, things like that. You like the inflection? I like the thing? inflection. There's a good read on it. Yeah. Like it's when great. I ordered an enchilada you
0: call him mojitos too? mojitos <laughs> um, and then that you're the guy that all the way why we call them Mr. M so. roll their eyes at you just like you mean a mojito you I mean want a mojito,
1: mojito. <laughs> uh, yeah he was kind of the radical like challenged our thinking And mm-hmm. you know there were one I remember days where we would he would always be late to class and there was one time where he's just he was just a deep he's just a deep spiritually deep person Yeah. so we walked in and we're all ready to start the class and he was just like you know what he goes man just feel like in my spirit we just need to sing today it's Perry wow and I had just started to learn how to lead worship from the piano because I'm a drummer first and I never really played piano that much I wasn't even wanting to go to Bible college to be a worship leader it just kind of was one of those things that I did one time at like a chapel and people were like dude that was amazing yeah okay well then I kept doing it so he's like Perry just come up to the piano and just play and spent the day just in prayer. And he said, you can go out, walk, walk the campus if you want to. So we always knew that he was the wild card. You, yeah. know? Like you never know what class is going to be like for him.
0: Don't you think that, so I'm keying in on, on this, this uh, us talking about this, things getting torn down. And I think that, don't you think that there's a real, like you almost have to have that happen at some point. And there's a real narrative, like the the sort of the great, pieces of literature even like not just the Bible but other things there's a real narrative of people going out being challenged you go on a journey the things you thought you knew um, are challenged in some way or just flat out taken away mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm curious about first of all how, how aware were you that that was happening when it was happening and it sounds like it's probably happened once or twice I think
1: it's still happening for me okay I think uh, and it, I think it happens in different stages and and I think it also happens in different I- ideological things that happen sure. in your life. So like when I was going in Bible college, it was almost like, you know, breaking down the what I believe, you know, what was, what I believe spiritually mm-hmm. in, in ministry, it was almost like, what do I believe as, cause I was, I was influential in these kids lives. Yeah. And so I almost felt I had a duty to keep them away from the things that in my mind I didn't think were bad. Like I liked going to movies. Mm-hmm. I liked listening to music that wasn't Christian radio. Uh, I liked watching TV shows yeah. that made me laugh and maybe had some it wasn't necessarily always appropriate. But I felt I had a duty to my students to tell them, don't do this, don't do that. And I felt like if I would go if I would go back and, you know, youth ministry now, I've I've spent some time in our youth ministry at Hope recently because one of our worship leaders is ill, and so mm-hmm. I've been filling in for him. But just hearing the way that our, our youth guy communicates to these kids, I mean, it's. I feel like it's a, it's not a night and day difference, but just a different approach. Yeah. I felt like it was, you guys have got to stop doing this and start doing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's funny is that's kind of how I feel that my mom's church was for a while, was, and maybe still, I don't know, she hasn't pastored for a long time, but I feel like that was the way I felt there was mm. we're not doing this good enough and you gotta stop doing this. And and that's I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that kind of teaching. There is time for that. That, yeah. that truth needs to be spoken. I agree. But what I felt there wasn't any hope in that. There wasn't any grace in that. There yeah. wasn't any Yep. There wasn't any like how to deal with life today in that or how to how to manage the the darkness in my life. I feel mm-hmm. like it was just you need to eliminate the darkness in your life. You yeah. need to avoid it,
0: and somehow it's your fault that it's
1: there. Isn't that kind of what gets communicated? Yeah, I think so. Like you just need to. You know, I had again with the CDs and stuff. I I, I had this this campaign that I did where I had if student if a student were to bring me in a CD that they feel like they shouldn't listen to, then I would buy them a, a Christian CD. Like I would buy them one. You did that. I did that. How many people took you up on that? I had a wall full of them. Really, and.
0: And this is fascinating. And so because what I would do is I would take the
1: CD and I would take a quarter or something and I would scratch the back oh of my it gosh. and then I would glue it to the wall. Wow. So you walk up the stairs and you see this wall full of, I didn't put the artist yeah. out, I just put the CD. And these all represented students that were, and, and maybe there were some really big life-changing things that happened in those students' lives. Maybe I'm they not going to yeah. it. But at the same time, it felt like my motive was trading a bad mm-hmm. for a good
0: yeah, you know.
1: Rather than you know, nowadays, I mean, to be honest, I don't listen to Christian radio. I don't, I don't listen to a whole lot of. I mean, I listen to worship music because that's kind of part of my job. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has a place in my life, where like if I go for a run and I listen to, you know, the new Hillsong album, my run is great because I'm feeling that that's a part. It's time for me to connect.
0: You know what's funny? I noticed that years ago too. If I listen to like positive like, worshipy things when I'm working out or something. i always felt better about it. Well, I would put in, in, like, I would, like, find, like, the
1: Spotify running station. Yeah. It was just, like, oh, this music is boring. They're bad. You know? Yeah. Or even just, like, a playlist of, you know, like, like, let's say I wanted to listen to Amberlynn, and I would start a playlist of Amberlynn mm-hmm. on uh, Spotify. I just Another great like, band. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. I got to see them in Minneapolis for their final tour.
0: Oh, really? Oh, I saw them years ago so with, with the weirdest lineup in the world. It was uh, Amberlin May, and then Motion City Soundtrack.
1: I saw Amberlynn, May, and Emory.
0: Oh, okay. Which well, that like, makes about as much pretty sense, sweet. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two bands, like May and Amberlin, are two bands that I could see touring together,
1: and then there's always a third one. That, that I'm like, weird Emory was the wild doing? card. Yeah. Bug. But then, like, I feel like that's that kind of music, I don't even know where this is going, but that kind of music... For some reason, it's like when I go for a run and I put in that. There's like a connection. There's like yeah. it's almost like my quiet time. I agree. You know? Yeah, because I'm not the kind of guy that gets up at five in the morning and cracks my Bible open and just starts to read I'm and journal and that kind of thing. But I feel like I find it in that moment where I can be quiet. I can listen. I can be uh, in con- in communion with God through music, and that's 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 basically my quiet time. Is I mean, I still read devotional, you know, and kind of so I'm in the Word, but. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that's, that's a time for me. But then when it comes to like these students, I feel like I was giving them music that was giving. So I felt like my motive was okay. Mm -hmm. But nowadays I'm like, my kids listen to the radio. Yeah. My kids know more. uh, My son's nine, almost nine years old. And we'll be in the car he'll listen to something and I'll be like, I wonder who this is. And he'll be like, oh, it's so-and-so. Yeah. You know, and. We try to balance that out a little bit, but also the kids are involved in church, they know my job here, and I don't wanna be I don't want my house to be so super spiritual that it almost feels like we're not That's interesting we're not relevant to yeah. our neighbors or his friends or whatever. Yeah. And we get in the car and i this. I got Copeland listening to Beartooth, Dude. who is a met Christian metal band. She's my metal head. Like she'll That's funny. Can we listen to Beartooth? And I'm like, absolutely. And how old and is how old is she's Copeland? seven? Okay. But I don't know. I don't think that makes sense. What, what
0: are you... So what... Um, is there a word that you'd come off as, like, pretentious even? If it was, like, too Jesus-y around here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I worry about that, too, actually. Um, Especially
1: working at a church. Oh, yeah. And I know that, you know, my dad... I'm, I'm a, I've am I'm been in ministry my whole life. My dad and my, my mom were pastors. And so it's like... And I don't feel like they were overly this way. I feel like I had enough... Real life stuff like we would go to movies, but yeah. there were certain movies that, like language, was a
0: big thing mm. for my mom. Like, it's you know what though, Perry, the fact that you even had just said now we had enough real life stuff like you used that language, mm-hmm. like it, it's just interesting that that was that kind of yeah. uh, label was even applied to I it. I think all. as we got older, then
1: our parents were a little more lenient. Yeah, um, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons for a long time. <laughs> we couldn't watch like. I mean, like three's company was kind of taboo yeah. because of the whole Come idea that uh, Mr. Roper, you know, Don Mr. Roper. He's <laughs> <laughs> dating me a little bit. It is a but little know, bit. Both uh, but both Mr. Ropers. But you know, the fact that there were, it was a very there was a lot of sexual activity and, yeah. there, and there was a lot of innuendo in that in that show. Um, you know, we could watch. My dad was a big Mash fan, so we loved to watch Mash. Mm. I watched Love Boat, watched Fantasy Island after Love Boat. Fantasy Island always gave me nightmares. Oh, really? It just, such, it just had enough creepiness to it. Yeah. It was like the Twilight Zone, but like much cooler when it came to the setting, and you had Mr. Rourke and Tattoo and all the people coming, and there was always these fantastic storylines that were all intertwined. Mm-hmm. And it was just... As a, as a young kid, it kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I still was drawn to it. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. But, but MTV was kind of my was my generation of when MTV started. I still remember when... And it, they were actually playing music. Like when they stuff. turned it on. Like mm-hmm. MTV is now on the air. Oh, you remember that? I remember, man. That's funny. First video ever was Video <laughs> Killed the Radio Stars. So. Oh! And it was like, I would I would always like... I remember when Thriller was released, the video to Thriller. You it.
0: would be great at... That's like totally going to be a, a bar trivia
1: answer. <laughs> First video. Like, got it. I know that one. Perry will know. He won't even
0: have to yeah. sheepishly look at his phone like everybody does yeah. at those things.
1: Uh-huh. But like, MTV was kind of taboo in our household. I think eventually my parents just kind of gave up. Yeah. Cause we would always sneak it anyway, and just be like, I mean, I loved music videos. I loved MTV. Yeah. And you know, I remember, I remember getting a cassette. We had a cassette tape player, and it had a little. It was a red. I had like a red kind of, streamlined shaped, mm-hmm. almost like a teardrop shaped cassette player, that I got for birthday or Christmas or something like that. And the thing back in the old days, Chris was you'd get a cassette tape <laughs> and you would wait for your favorite song. You recorded to it off radio. the radio, right? Yeah. So you had your finger pushed on the record and yep. play button and that you would just wait. You'd be waiting. And if you missed it, you'd be like, oh, dang it. A point with you'd, radio. Maybe you'd start in the middle of a song and it just wasn't good enough. So then you would go back and rewind and tape over oh, and try funny. to find it. So this is so funny. One of, my, one of the songs I really, really wanted to get off the radio was, um, I always feel like somebody's watching me by, was it Falco or something like that? (laughs) For some reason, no it wasn't Falco, that was a different group. Anyway, this is where I needed my phone, I can't remember who did (laughs) it, But um, I remember they used to sell cassette tape singles. singles. You could buy the single, yeah. And so I kept telling my mom like, Mom, I want this single want this song so bad. I always feel like somebody's <laughs> watching me. I just thought it was such a cool book, you know? And so, she didn't know much about the song and I I think I, I had to confess because I think they say like damn or hell and yeah. something like that. So I was like, there is one swear word in it. That's funny. And she let me get it, which oh, was kind of crazy. Oh, man. And it had a B-side of a song that nobody ever listened to anyway. Of course not. And so, uh, so I feel like growing up there was just this progression of, okay, there's like you said, the normalcy, normal teenagers. Yeah. um, You know, we would go see movies. My dad was a big James Bond fan. So we would go watch James Bond movies. I just
0: started listening to a podcast that you might enjoy called James Bonding. Where (laughs) these two, these two guys watched every James Bond movie and they bring a guest on and they talk about it. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty great. You also forget how bad some of them are.
1: Yeah, my favorite. One of my favorite ones is *The Man with a Golden Gun*. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, like Christopher Lee who plays Sauron. Mm-hmm. Saruman. And wait. Saruman. Saruman yeah. is the white, or the the white ner- wizard. All the nerds. Sauron, freaky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, my I mean, uh, <laughs> my wizard. But I forgot he her. was the man with a golden gun. Mm-hmm. It was it was a, Roger Moore, James Bond. Sorry, here's another mm-hmm. tangent. So. I love we have, we're gonna have a lot of that Sean Connery, to me, is one of my favorite James Bonds and then Daniel Craig. I mean it, it's yeah, I mean Daniel Craig has just done a great job with it. But Roger Moore was more of the sleaze bag James yeah, Bond. He really Bond. was. He had he he did a lot of innuendo in his talk and he just it seemed like Sean Connery was just I like he seemed more legit. Roger Moore seemed like the one that was taking it the least seriously. <laughs> yeah.
0: like, like somebody told Even him. Given the he, way he
1: ordered his I love a vodka. Martini. Shaken, not sick. Like
0: somebody told him he got that and he was like, Did you mean to call Did you mean to call somebody else? And like, no, 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 you. And <laughs> no, he's like, oh. Okay. Okay, well, I guess I'll. So I want to ask you about something that because you said that we were talking earlier about the time when things kind of get torn down and you're challenged. And do you do you feel like you're open to that? Do you take steps to be actively open to being, having things in your life challenged? Because that's a very, that's not something most people do. Yeah,
1: I think, I think so. I mean, I think I've had to really, with all the life experiences I've had, like, what, is it, what does it mean to be divorced? Yeah. You know, in my mind, I was like, I can't ever get divorced. You just don't get divorced if you're a Christian. Right. Then it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm divorced. Like, yeah. This, but I can't see, you know, it, but then in the situation when I was in the place of making that decision... You almost have to like go, okay, I guess I don't know everyone's story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know when I first moved back to Des Moines, there was a guy who was a youth pastor at a church who was under uh, investigation because he had uh, some sort of relationship with one of his students. Yeah. That was like the month I moved back to Des Moines. And... I remember hearing kind of the buzz around. Everyone was going, oh, man, what an idiot, and that was so stupid, and blah, 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 blah. And in my mind, because of where I had just come from, I had just come from a place where I was in a marriage that was abusive verbally and physically. I was broken down. Mm -hmm. I was distraught. I was hurting, and I was a youth pastor, and I had a bunch of younger gals in my youth ministry who, you know, I could have easily yep. turned to sure in that time of hurt. Mm-hmm. That and I, then I came to Des Moines and I see that this guy is going through this. Everyone's like, "Oh, what an idiot! And yeah. What a pervert!" and all this stuff. My mind was like, "I wonder what he's going through." Yeah, because that could have been me. That what, could have been my headline in De, in Dover, Ohio. Yeah, if God hadn't somehow managed to what get other me out of what that other situation. thing? What's
0: the 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 matrix code behind what's going on there you know yeah like
1: yeah. he's got he's because nobody wakes
0: up one day and goes you know what
1: i'll do i'm just gonna yeah, yeah exactly with the 16 you know just don't do that but but what happened and i'm not you know i'm not saying it was his marriage i'm not saying it was anything but there yeah. was something and that's where and was my a catalyst mind. for that for sure yeah. so i feel like my life changes you know i grew up i grew up in a four-square denomination a pentecostal denomination i'm working at a lutheran church mm-hmm. i've been there 10 years my mindset growing up, and I'm not saying this was my parents' fault or anybody's fault, but it's just the way that I grew up, that we were right, yep. and everybody else was wrong. Yeah. Like, oh, the Methodists. I didn't know anything about what a Methodist was. Yeah. I didn't know anything about what a Lutheran was, or a Catholic, by that means. Mm-hmm. By, by all means, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what these denominations were. All I knew was we believed what we believed, and we were the right ones. Yeah. And everything we said was right. You know, And now I work at a Lutheran church where I realize how actually close Lutheran and our yeah. Pentecostal theology is. Yeah. And thankfully at a church where our pastor is open to the Holy Spirit and yep. open to the gifts mm-hmm. being used, not necessarily as public as they were in the churches I grew up in. Yep. You know, with all of a sudden someone would start speaking in tongues mm-hmm. and then biblically we follow the rule that there would be an interpretation. If it was truly of God, we would wait for an interpretation. Yeah. That could get crazy and weird and there's reasons why some foursquare churches just aren't doing that because they're just, it, it can get out of control. Mm. But the Lutheran church, the one that I work at, is open to the movement of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit... And so I was like, well maybe we're not so different. Yeah. You know? And then the grace side of the Lutheranism is where I see the most hope. Yeah. Uh,
0: which is something you said earlier you felt like maybe was kind of missing from yeah, yeah, I feel like
1: it I feel like it was. For you, at least early on. At least early on. And maybe even just because that's just the kind of culture that I grew mm-hmm. up in. Um, but then seeing seeing hope and the grace and how love and grace and and that can just change somebody's life. Yeah. And again, it's not it's not like Mike Pastor Mike always says, bigger isn't better, smaller isn't better, better is better. And I yeah. feel like I, I feel like I'm there for a reason. I bring my Pentecostal roots into the Lutheran yeah church yeah. to a point where okay, if you're open to the spirit, then music is a place where that can happen. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit can can move through yeah. music. And that's been I think the biggest impact that I've had at the church is being able to let music and worship be a place where people experience. God. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there for 10 years. How much longer I'm there? I don't, I don't know. People always ask me that and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't feel led to go anywhere else at yeah. this point. I feel like I'm, I mean, I'm getting older. I'm 43 and there's a lot younger culture of worship that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, I feel like hope has always kind of been not slow to the curve, but I think, we're I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking with Richard about this. Yeah, day. we've been slow. Somebody else I'd like to have on the podcast, yeah, by the way. Man, yeah. that so fantastic. We're s- not slow to getting there, but I think we're more cautious. Yeah. In our growth yeah. into those kind of things, mm-hmm. because even now, churches like Willow and and North Point, some of these big churches. We I listen to. There's another podcast out called Church Tech Weekly or something mm-hmm. like that, and they just had this discussion about how they have really started to dial back their production Mm -hmm. because millennials aren't impressed with the the big show as much as we think they are. Like, they don't want the lights and the fog and the, you know, the loud music. They want authenticity. I totally agree with that. And so, like, they felt like they could do... They did all this stuff because they could do it. Yeah. Like, okay, we can do lasers and we can do pyrotechnics and we can do all this stuff because we can, but they, you know, to quote uh, Malcolm from... Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, but then you should you shouldn't stop to think about it if you should. Yeah, you know? exactly.
0: And I that actually it's funny you said that because it really does resonate with me. Like if I went into somewhere right now, and I don't know if I'm a millennial or what I would kind of qualify as, but when I go in there now, and they, if it's too production-y, it turns me off. Yeah, it really does. And maybe because, and you know, we've done you and I have been a part together of some things that were pretty high in production. There was a lot of moving parts and all that kind of stuff, and I. I see the value in it, and I know that nobody goes in saying "Let's do a bad job." Let's let's do too much. There's mm-hmm. they probably think everything had a purpose. There was a thought behind everything they did. I'm almost mm-hmm. sure of that. But you go into something like that, and I'm just like, "This is I'm, you're losing me." You There's to the just too much going on. To,
1: you try to one up what you did last. Yeah, year. Yeah, that's hard. That's, that's a
0: dangerous thing. place to be. I
1: think. So I think a lot of churches are starting to scale back. Churches like our size or that have multi-site or are just pretty big when mm-hmm. it comes to their production and their what they can do. They're just starting to scale it back. Because let's say we do a huge thing at Christmas or Easter, which we still do. I mean, that's probably our two biggest production yeah. services. But yeah, at the same time, if somebody comes for the first time and they see, oh, wow, they just went all out. That was great. Yeah. But there's an expectation that that's what worship is like. And they come back the next week and it isn't that. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, that that's not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you do... What's your normal weekend? And then maybe just kick it up a little bit. I day.
0: thought this year at Easter was a good example.
1: I think that. it was too. We yeah. didn't really There wasn't
0: too, so much going on, but it was also, you could tell it was different than what would have happened normally. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. But fact, we don't want to get too bogged down in case people don't have any idea what we're talking <laughs> about. Um, is there a moment for you, or maybe a couple of them, because let me tell you something and then I'll ask you this question. I remember having the feeling when I was in Afghanistan... Right before I kind of went, started on my anxiety, depression, like the, the hardest part for me uh, that I went through mentally and emotionally was the months after I got home from Afghanistan. But I distinctly recall, and I've been talking to a lot of people about this lately, I remember a moment where I thought, everything's about to change for me. Mm. Every, everything from, there, this is the point, there will be the time before this and the time after it. Um, <laughs> the, dog the dog is barking. She Paces. agrees with me. Yeah. It's an amen. Um, there'll be a time before this and a time after this. I don't know that I had the language at the time to articulate that feeling, but I look back at that now. I go, oh yeah, there's before that, there's after that, and I'm two different people mm-hmm. because of that. Is there a moment like
1: that for you, or one or two of them? I think there's. I think there's multiple ones. I would say uh, Macy, come here, Macy. <laughs> uh, I would. I would say like couple of the biggest things that's ever happened in my life my father dying was one of yeah them, meeting think-
0: me obviously no I'm just kidding yeah. and then you Chris <laughs> you and my dad are just together Chris. um
1: no my dad died in 90 90 uh he died, 99 mm-hmm. so he was 53 and again I was in Ohio when all this happened and I don't know I still feel like there's something that's changed inside of me and I'm still maybe needing to work through some of that yeah but I remember uh McNeese and I, one time, one of the guys that I work with, we were having a talk, and it was just right after the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, and Bill Hybels was talking about blind spots, and he was talking about how the fact that it's a blind spot means that you don't know it's there. Like, you don't know a blind spot is there, that's the definition of it, because Mm -hmm. it's blind to you, and you need other people to tell you what your blind spots are. He goes, no, don't just go ask anybody ask people that you trust that are right. around you maybe it's not your best friend maybe it's just somebody that you maybe think has more of a, an insight into it so yeah. I remember sitting with Matt and I just said hey I, I want to ask you this you, I work with you all the time and you know I was kind of nervous as to what he would say because yeah. I thought maybe it was something professional or maybe something like you know as a worship leader you really need to work on this or yeah. whatever and what he said blew me away and he goes okay so I can think of one thing he goes I don't think you've fully grieved your dad's death yet wow and it like took me back. I was just like, he's like, whenever you talk about it, he, he goes, and you, you're you not afraid to talk about it, but when you talk about it, there's a lot of hurt and there's just not yeah. much hope. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I, I guess, and I wonder if that's a, a place I'm still coming through. Sure. Um, but I also feel like I wonder how many of my relationships that I've had... I think my ex-wife was a byproduct of it as well, mm-hmm. uh, that when my dad died, I don't know what I did or what changed in me towards other people. Um, I do know the one thing that has really affected me is my prayer life Yeah, and how I pray and what I pray for, because my dad was sick for a long time and we prayed for him over and over and I had many people come to me and said that they had visions of my dad, you know, running through fields yeah. and yeah, you know, so I had built up this expectation that, oh, my dad's going to be healed. We're praying. Sure. This yeah. is who God is.
0: And that's a big moment when you,
1: when you, when that doesn't happen. I was 26 when he died and it was like, all that just kind of came crashing down. Yeah. And so then like I, I developed this skepticism to prayer yeah mm-hmm. um I still struggle with prayer yeah now. I mean I can say that honestly that there's times where I will hear and i it's almost like I have to i have to step into it because I believe it not yeah. because i've I've seen it like I believe God is a god of healing yeah I've seen it happen in other people but it didn't happen the way I thought it was gonna happen and that hurt yep. and that that kind of it kind of got me callous to mm-hmm. prayer and so when someone's like, let's pray for this person's healing, or I'll see an email come across my desk that says, Please pray for so and so's father, they're yep. going in for surgery, yep. or someone's been diagnosed with cancer, or this or that. I'm torn inside because yes. part of me's like, yes, I will pray for this. But the other side of it is, but I don't know how good it's gonna help. Yeah. And yeah, because I saw both sides of it. I saw the, the prayer, the earnest prayer nights that we had for my dad and the different things. And my mm-hmm. dad was always the type of person that you know he would never refuse someone to pray for him, Yep. because his mind was always like, maybe this is the one, yep. maybe this is the time mm-hmm. that it's gonna happen, and so I have to have that kind of forward thinking
0: when yeah. it comes to prayer. Yeah. I'm so, with you there because I, I'm, you know, as having do, done what I do for a living now, man. We see, you see a lot of people die, and so I, I it's you're articulating something that I, I think I haven't ever talked about probably publicly, but I'm, I'm with you there, which is that there's a lot of skepticism for me and I'm willing to bet for most people if yeah. they're being very honest but that I we asked we've all had that moment where it's like you said you'd be there you said you were going to show yeah. up and you didn't and now how can I trust you yeah. to show up this time what would be different so I pr- you prayed for your dad and it God didn't show up in the way that you wanted him to or that we, th- we thought would have been the right way even mm-hmm. maybe is a good way to say it so then you look at somebody else you're like well what would be any different this
1: time yeah and we had there was people that were telling my dad that he wasn't being healed because he had sin in his life. And there's just all See that's not helpful. I don't like that That puts that a that was bad just, taste in my mouth. It was yeah. just horrible. And he, he had a pretty good attitude during the whole thing. But um so I'd say that was a big kind of before and after. Yeah. I'd say before and after of my marriage and my divorce mm-hmm. the first time, I would say the person that I was before <clears throat> and the person that I was after I feel like it took some counseling, and it took yeah. some, I guess, some digging into myself. Yeah. Uh, back then, like I said, I was just trying to make her happy. I, all I wanted was for her to just say, you do a great job as a worship leader. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're a great husband. I don't even know what I wanted from her. Yeah. But all I know was what I got from her was the antithesis of what a you wife and a, should be to a husband, yeah. and vice versa. Um, and so... When I went through the divorce and I moved back to Des Moines, I went to counseling. Yeah. And I went, I went through a book uh, called Boundaries by Henry Cloud boundaries. and Cloud and Townsend. It's a great book. Um, basically, it just talks about boundaries for yourself, boundaries for your family members, boundaries for your wife. He's mm-hmm. got a whole series of books, boundaries for kids and boundaries for leaders and boundaries for you name it. Um, but that book, I'm reading it and I'm seeing all these things. And, I, and what was interesting is I was highlighting stuff. And I'd be like, yeah, that was totally her. You know, yeah. Oh, that was totally her. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it would be like, ooh, that one was me. Yeah. Like, so it was revealing inside of me my side of things. Yeah. Like I'm not taking full responsibility, but I can't not take any of it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it was interesting for me to go through that book and realize I've got to lay boundaries down so that I can be a, a good and better person for me, not for other people. So the boundaries that I lay down for myself might hurt other people. Yeah. They might not they might disappoint people. They might not be what they want. And and the only person at that time that I was living with to exercise some of these things was my mom, of <laughs> all places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I moved back in with my mom. I was thirty two years old. And, you know, I That's I ended- gotta be like
0: a sobering moment, I would think.
1: Yeah, and I go back to I didn't have really any friends, and there was this point in my life where my brother, he goes, you should check out. The first time I ever went to Hope was at their young adult ministry, mm-hmm. which at the time was called Immersion. Mm-hmm. So I started meeting all these new people. I met my wife now. I met Carrie there that first night. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting to meet all these new people, and these new friends. You met her the first night you were first there? First night at Immersion. What a great story. That yes. Is. And so, and she was going through a divorce. I was going through a divorce. We developed yeah. a really good friendship. Uh, we found out we were both going to the same counselor. Oh, my way. gosh. So the next time I want to violation, like, hey, check this out. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've been hanging out with uh, Carrie Ross.
0: Do, do you have a sense? I have two questions. Yeah. And if at any point you don't feel comfortable answering them, just say that. That's fine. I don't
1: feel like answering those questions.
0: Okay. Well, it's been great you having... You said at any point. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to preemptive it. With first of all, I hear in you talking about your previous marriage... There's a lot of sense of that you need, you wanted for some reason validation from her. Why do you think it is? Because you're somebody that grew up with Christianity. Why do you think it is that you were looking for validation anywhere but, uh, but from God? Because we learn that and we preach that, right? Right. Do you think you were even conscious that that's what was happening? I don't even
1: think it. I don't think I was. Yeah. I think that because I think because it was so dysfunctional mm-hmm. that I was looking for a. A way for it to just turn. Yeah, you know something. Like I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, yeah, am I missing something? Am I and it, and so and my wife now Carrie. She always says, I can't believe that it was all bad for nine years. You know, it wasn't like It'd be hard to believe. Yeah, it it wasn't like a term tumultuous nine years of marriage. It was almost like I think the best way I just can describe it is like that analogy of the frog. It falls in a pot of water mm-hmm. and someone starts to boil the water and then eventually it gets it gets a little warmer, but the frog gets accustomed to it. Yeah. And before you know it, the frog is boiling yeah. and it's too late. I mean yeah. I feel like that's the way my marriage was. Yeah. Because it, it started out. I mean, we put we, we together a lot and we had fun and we did stuff in the house and we renovated a whole house one time and mm-hmm. we just I mean there was there was some fun moments. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like there was just like Almost like a subliminal, like something would happen and I'd be like, holy cow, what was that? Yeah. You know? And then, oh yeah, I guess it was nothing. And yeah. then it'd be like, it would happen again. And then by the time it got to the point where it was just full on crazy, yeah. like full on crazy. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was anxious all the time. I was on the edge. That's when I was like trying to please her, like yeah. just anything I can do so that you could accept me for who I am, mm. you know? Um
0: you know, I think, I think Perry, though, that, that that resonates, that'll resonate in a big way with just everybody, because I think that whether or not we all realize it, we're all looking to be validated by the people in our lives, the things in our lives, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but at the same time, like, those people are imperfect, right. you know, your story's a good example of that, and so to go seek validation from People that are just as imperfect as you are, you know, forgive me for being yeah. imperfect to the other imperfect right. person, you say.
1: Well, and that's, and that's the difference between, like, when I went through counseling and then Carrie and I met, um, we were good friends to begin with. And we, we kind of have both, this marriage is completely different, especially since she's been married before and I've been married before. Yeah, that is, yeah. There mm-hmm. is not really the focus on the little things, yeah. Like, we are. We realize that we're both okay by ourselves. Yeah. And I, and this might sound weird, and we've said this to other couples and other people I that we've talked to, to me at all. and we say, I don't need her. Like, I don't need her to survive. Yeah. And I think that's where we had to come to grips, and that's what boundaries are for us. Is I, if if something were to happen, I would I would go on mm-hmm. without her. If something tragic happened and vice versa, we would be okay, but we don't need each other for survival, but we're so much better together. Yeah. Like, and I Absolutely. think our friend, our friend told it one time, she goes, you guys are amazing people to begin with separately, but together you are incredible. Like, Absolutely. I feel like that's the way our life has to be. And now yeah. that we have kids, um, and, and this is, this is the second word that I was thinking mm-hmm. of. Maybe we're transitioning from love to into the word, and again, it's another churchy kind of word. That's okay, but it's blessed because yeah. I feel like where I'm at now, with a great job and doing what I love to do. I mean, literally, I love going to work. Yeah. Um, and the other side of it is, I don't really know how to do anything else. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're kind of glad we're I'm, in real trouble here. <laughs> if, if anything, <laughs> I mean, I spent 11 months working at the Principal Financial Group downtown, and I learned really quickly that yeah. I do not belong there. Yeah. But I, I love what I do. I love my wife, and we have gone through in our ten years of marriage. We've gone through some ups and downs, of course. But each, I mean, every time, we're just we've just come back to the fact that I'm not looking for, and this is where it comes back. I'm not looking to her for validation. Yeah, I know who I am, and I'm confident in who I am, and she feels the same way. Now, That's awesome. It's not. It doesn't hurt, to. Show that validation to no, them. of course not. Because then you just be two people that living together. Yeah. And be like, well, what are you doing today? I don't know what are you doing today. <laughs> but to have a relationship where we're not so, I don't even know how to describe it. We're not so intertwined yeah. that if, if something were to happen, we wouldn't be able to survive. Yeah. But I think that common denominator for us is God. It's our faith. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that whatever we're faced, whether it's a financial thing, it's whether it's. You know, some sort of relational thing, whether it's a family emergency or whatever, we're gonna be okay. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get through it. We're yeah, going to, we're gonna make it. Um
0: That is that is that is resonates with me in a big way too because there's such a. I've been telling people lately, and I don't know if you remember this. My hand to the Lord. This is really the one of the first things you said to me. Do you remember this? You? you said this okay. to me. I meet Perry. I'm an intern at Hope. They've never had a worship intern before, and I think you had just started there also. 2007.
1: It yeah. was
0: very odd. So I meet Perry, and he says to me, "Do you have a girlfriend? Do you remember this?" <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. So he says to me, "Do you have a girlfriend?" And I, at the time, I did not. And he goes, "He goes,
1: good. Keep it that way for a while." <laughs> um, which wasn't because it, it wasn't because I was in a bad relationship. Right. Exactly. It was just. I mean, how old were you then? Oh. 20? 20. Twenty yeah. Maybe. I think... I mean, at 23, I think getting married at 23, I man, say, yeah. I was just dumb and I didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying you, you can't get married at 23 and be happy mm-hmm. and have a successful marriage. But man, you, there's so much that... You learn about yourself in those, in from like twenty-three yep. to thirty. Absolutely, you're just learning. You're you still don't know anything. Yeah. you're just learning about who you are, and to throw somebody else at now. I knew a couple in Bible college that they knew each other and they dated. They started dating in junior high, and they are married. and They're pastoring a church in Indiana.
0: That happens. It 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 it. it, it every <laughs> time I hear it, it.
1: Boggles my mind that it happens, but it
0: does happen. I understand that. I think what you and I are saying, though, is that those regardless of if you got married right before college, right after college or 10 years after college, that period of your life, it just seems is designated for you don't know shit about yourself. (laughs) You're going you're you're going to change a lot. Just the things that you find are actually important. You don't know how to be an adult hardly, yeah. let alone take care of a second adult or like add a second adult to the mix. That's, by the way, just there all the time. That's way different than having a roommate. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I don't want to hang out with my roommate, I don't have one now. But if I don't want to hang out with my roommate, I would just go, hey, I'm going to my room and not hanging out with you. They don't get upset at you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a different dynamic. I remember,
1: I remember going disc golfing with a buddy of mine and he had just gotten married. And he was pretty young, but I mean they're, they're still together, so it's okay. But uh, (laughs) we were... It'd be uh, important. Gary and I, one of the things that we love to do when we talk to people who have been married for a while or just got married, we love to ask that question. Ask the question, what's the one thing that surprised you about your spouse that you didn't know until you got married? Yeah. And like, it's just fun to hear what people answer. Oh, sure. We were just golfing and we just I just started to open the question up and I said, so man, how's married life? Because usually when you say that to people, they go, that's great, man. Yeah. And he just like Hung his head down. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? And he's just like, man, I'm so selfish. I'm learning about how selfish I am. Mm -hmm. And you know, you have this, you live your whole life by yourself, for yourself. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you put another person in the midst of that. Every decision you make, every word you say, every thought you have, Mm -hmm. every financial decision you make, Mm -hmm. all your family, it's like you're taking your family history. And this family history, and you're just putting it together and saying, let's make some sense of all this. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Yep. And so he's just like, I'm so selfish. And he wasn't, it wasn't about his wife. It wasn't about marriage. It was just about him going,
0: man, what I'm an such answer. a jerk. What a know? good answer.
1: And so we had a good chance to talk about yeah. that. You know, and it was just like, it was one of the surprises, surprising, surprising answers. You
0: know, that goes back to what we are talking about before too, about relationships, which is that, hey, guess what? No matter how successful you've been at being a couple... The second you are around each other constantly, it, that's difficult to do. Yeah. And you have, but again, you have to be discerning about, okay, is this just the normal difficulties that people have, which you're going to have, everybody does, everybody I've ever known, ever,
1: yeah.
0: that has gotten married, that I've talked to, said those first couple months, it's just a big adjustment because there's somebody there. It's even stuff like, I mean, you know this, you load the dishwasher differently. hmm it, you never would have thought about that. You don't think about how you do it until there's somebody there doing it differently. Yeah, you know? and they go,
1: why are you putting the dishes that way then you need to go this yeah. way. And you'd be like, you know, for us, Carrie and I both love the dishwasher differently. Yeah. And it's just like, so what? Who cares? Who cares exactly. You know, am I? Do you have to learn you don't to make hold concessions? Each other over each yeah. Mm-hmm. Head. Mm-hmm. Look, This 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 dish didn't get cleaned. Yeah. Because you loaded it.
0: And now I would tell you if you're out there and that's something that's happening to you, that might be something to look at. Because <laughs> if you're having arguments about how to load the dishwasher, I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, so do you have a sense of so John Anson, the pastor. For those of you who don't know, the pastor at the the Moines campus I always want to call it downtown because it was downtown when I it used worked used to be uh,
1: Hope what was it called uh, did we call it Hope Urban no, ever it called, no we didn't it was called uh, that been a City Branch City Branch that's Hope Urban called. is like the North worst North Branch was Ankeny City Branch was downtown Hope Urban that's the worst branding name I don't know branding what, name. what other branches you can have West Branch West Branch that would be Waukee that'd be Waukee East uh, branch would be Altoona El- if they were. Northwest branch would be Johnston Grimes. Northwest guess, branch. That's, it stops being catchy it's, after it's, that. It's less north than Ankeny. <laughs> that's true. Le- less north less branch? North no, branch. that's not good. That's that's diminishing. Northless branch. Uh, <laughs> but
0: he said something that I've really <laughs> latched onto lately, which is that he said uh, he had a professor in seminary that said, No, what you're there for is there for. Which mm-hmm. he, he meant that to mean understand the context of things. Um, but. Yeah. I have taken to mean when you're at that point in your life where you go, therefore I will now be this person, therefore I will now do this, know what's happened uh, to bring you to that point. And you might not know the answer to this yet, but like, the things like your divorce, uh, your father's death, do you, do you feel like now at this point you have a sense of what they happened for, what you were supposed to take from them? Not what they happened for, that's a bad way to put it, but what, what you're supposed to be, have taken from them.
1: Uh, I say yes and no. I think um, with my father's death, there's still things. I mean, the scripture even says there's mysteries that you will never know. Yeah. You know? I don't. I don't know all the details for it. I think a lot of it, um, and I don't think God allowed my dad to die so these things could happen. I totally I agree. We just live in a world where we live in a world that's fallen. We live in a world where there's hurt, there's mm-hmm. death, there's stuff that happens. And not that God allowed that to happen, but God used what did happen to really, and I think I'm getting closer to yeah. that, bringing me back to Him. I'm I'm not far from Him. I'm not like I'm I'm estranged to to God the Father, mm-hmm. but I feel like that has been a a, a way for me to keep God at a, at a arm's distance in a yeah. way, and I feel like slowly He's just kind of mm-hmm. reeling me back in. I went I went fishing this past week. Uh, up in northern Iowa, northeast Iowa. Yeah. And that kind of made me think about that. It's like the, the way we fished for the trout was just alluring it. Yeah. It you know, was letting it drift by. And, and you kind of just see the fish every now and then will just turn mm-hmm. and just kind of say, ooh, what was that? You know? <laughs> and I feel like God's maybe allowing my dad's death to do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it just takes it takes a long time. And I feel like I'm still learning some stuff Nobody's said, Nobody ever put a clock on it. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say with the divorce... I think God allowed me to go through so much turmoil there and hurt that for the things that my wife and I have faced together mm-hmm. that it was almost a way of preparation for yeah yeah to sure be able to say you can handle this yeah you can get through it. And not not that I've ever wanted to leave my wife now. No. It was a completely different situation. Sure, yeah. Completely different circumstances. But still, just as rocky in some areas of our lives yeah. and our relationship together, just allowed us, allowed me to be able to have, gosh, it's so corny, but it's a word that my mom coined, or she got, she used a lot time a lot of times, was stick to Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, whatever you're going through, you're going to get through. Mm-hmm. And when i when i tell people about what happened to my with my ex-wife um, they're like how in the world yeah. did you survive that um, i also feel like i get a lot of that kind of patience and and longevity and yeah. being able to handle stuff as it comes from my dad cuz my dad's attitude was always well yeah. you know what you wreck the car we're gonna We'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll make it work. Yeah. We'll get through it. Yeah. Whatever happened, I always remember him saying that. And so, if anything, I learned from my dad. It was that. It was yeah. that. You know what? There's nothing this world can throw at me, that we can't handle. And it and it's not because I'm such a strong person, but it's because I believe that God's got yeah. everything in control, and He's not surprised when things happen. He's Absolutely. not going. Whoa! That's not exactly. That's yeah. not at all how I expected it. I that, have to. Allow that's to limit. Them. That limits.
0: That limits God if we put God in that way. And I, it's funny you say that because I was talking to, I met with Richard Webb the other day. He told me. Oh, did he? <laughs> we were talking about this and I, I had like one of those moments that I just went, oh my gosh, this make this changes. You know, we say the gospel changes everything. I'm telling you, man, last week I had a moment where I was like, this literally changes how I think about everything. Mm-hmm. Which is this, it's that, I, I'm sorry everybody to keep mentioning Richard Rohr. If you're not convinced by three episodes that you should read some, I don't know how else to convince you, but Richard Rohr calls God the great allower, which I think speaks to the bigness of God's power in the sense that God can and will just allow things to happen. Why? Because there's not one single thing that he can't repurpose for Mm -hmm. goodness, Mm -hmm. like capital G goodness. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the gospel in that way, and that's the way I want to come at it now, instead of where we go after we die and all that stuff, which I think is, you know, I'm not super interested in. But instead of like, what is the, what's the immediate impact of that? It means that you now the way you look at everything should be totally different, totally different. Yeah. Including looking at things retroactively, the, time, the difficult time that I, times that I've been through, the difficult times that you've been through. If we understand that God can allow all things with boldness mm-hmm. because he goes, bring it on, man. There's nothing I can't change. Yeah. There's nothing I can't repurpose. Mm-hmm. That changes Literally everything in my mind.
1: I think one of the things that. One of the things that, uh, before we finish, I've, I've got to talk about, because I know I talked about being loved and being blessed. Go ahead. But blessed with my job, blessed with the wife that I have now, she's incredible. Like, just the way, that, the fight that she has in her, mm-hmm. the confidence that she has, um, the beauty, not just physically. But just how beautiful she is, and what I love, what I love when I'm with her and we're out and about, is people will just stop and just say, "I love your hair." Yeah. Or they'll be like, "Oh, I really like your outfit." You Mm -hmm. know, there's just something attractive. She She draws draws people to herself. She feels whenever she's talking with somebody they feel like she's their best friend and I love that about her Oh how personal man. she is
0: that's great quality
1: but then the one thing in my life that has just been like nothing else matters anymore is when when you have kids yeah like my son and my daughter are the world to me right mm-hmm. now like they're they're nine and they're seven and they're the best like I I love them I mean I love them to the moon and back yeah. I mean there's just no words to describe mm-hmm. it and I was, it's funny, I was watching Regis and Kelly today, but it was uh, somebody else that was the host, but, um, and Donnie Wahlberg was on and he has eight brothers and sisters and they, they were teasing about who their favorite is, you know, who the mom's favorite is. And I love having two kids. Yeah. I have a boy and a girl and I love that I could say they're both my favorite because you're my favorite son. nice i like it and so but seriously there's just there's times where they're frustrating and we're learning how to parent them yeah learning how to parent them differently seeing seeing them develop into the people that they are not just the kids but the people anderson personality is so different than copeland Mm -hmm. and knowing that i have to parent them differently i have to like, they both need different things from us. And just getting to know them and just seeing... Like, I sometimes have, like, a vision of them 10 years down the road. Yeah. Like, Copeland, when she's 18, 17, 18 years old, I can't I can't wait for that time. I mean, I know that I can. <laughs> I can wait. I
0: can not happily will. I
1: gonna have to. But, like, I just can't wait to see who they're going to become. Yeah. I'm so proud of them. I'm so... Excited for their future. Do like, you see parts of yourself in them? Absolutely. Yeah. I see, I see a lot of Carrie in both of them. I see a lot of me in both of mm-hmm. them. Um, it's it's and it's a good mix, and they're so close in age, and Copeland is so tall that they're almost twins. Like
0: yeah, people ask really us all the her. time,
1: "You have twins?" And I'm like, "No, they're nineteen months apart." Yeah. But I kind of, in my mind, have this like little this fantasy that they are twins. Yeah. Just kind of treat them like it. Yeah. Because you know? they're so they're so close in age. Copeland is quick. She like... As soon as Anderson started doing something, she was like, oh, I want to do that too. Yeah. Even potty training. Even walking. Even riding a bike. Yeah. You know? In fact, I think it was the opposite. I think Copeland rode the bike first. Oh, really? And then Anderson's like, well, if sister's doing it. Well, I hang on now. So there's this healthy competition <laughs> yeah. between the two yeah. of them, you know? But I don't know, man. I just think having kids and just knowing that when I come home and they're just the words daddy is the best Mm -hmm. it's the best yeah and you know we're not perfect parents we make mistakes I've lost my temper with them before sure but I think what's really healthy and what's really that I have to continue to do is just be honest with my kids Mm. about my mistakes yeah and and our kids have seen us both at our worst yeah (laughs) yeah yeah sure and so but instead of trying to explain it away, yeah. just be like, you know what? I'm so sorry. daddy lost his temper. Yeah. And I was mad at something else and just be able to say, "Well, you made me so angry, kids. I yelled mm-hmm. at you. It was me saying, you know what, guys? You didn't deserve that. Yep. And I was mad at something else. Yeah. Or I was frustrated about something else and I took it out on you. Mm-hmm. Can you forgive me?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah." And so we it's just my therapist told me um,
0: a while ago that couples that remember we talked about way at the beginning of this that when couples don't fight at all i think that's not a good thing too and she said that um she really believes that it's healthy to argue in front of your children not all the time Mm. but occasionally because she goes then how else are they supposed to learn how to fight and she goes not only that but how are they supposed to learn how to resolve fights and it's kind of the same thing it's like if you don't if you lose your temper with them and then the the lesson is when you come back and say look and what the real universal truth is being communicated is look, people are not perfect. Mm-hmm. you're gonna this is gonna happen to you too uh i apologize it's them learning to forgive it's them also learning how to ask for forgiveness i mean there's a lot of stuff that gets rolled in there but if you just get mad and don't say anything what do they learn well sometimes dad just yeah. gets mad for sometimes no reason dad
1: just And flies, flies that's
0: head there's head. no lesson in that yeah. i
1: mean yeah. you know there's nothing valuable to that but i yeah having kids is
0: that's an, that's another moment for you where everything changed I'm everything sure. changed yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, it's Chris. I'm so sorry to cut the episode short, but uh, I have to because the file size is too large uh, in its entirety for me to be able to post online. Um, Perry and I just did a rapid fire of questions at the end. We talked about books he was reading and uh, movies we both liked and that kind of thing. So um, as, as good as that stuff is, it'll have to wait for the Lost Episodes podcast I'll do one day. Um, Quick things for the end that you won't hear now. You can follow Perry on Twitter and Instagram at Perry J. The, the I almost said the number, the letter J. Ross, and you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Petrick. My website is ChristopherPetrick.com. And as always, if you uh, have some feedback about the show or you'd like to be on the show, uh, please find a way to get in touch with me. I would love to have you and have you add your voice to this program thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week